And we're back. Welcome to another episode of Born to Ball. Now, I know it's a couple days late. Uh, I missed yesterday only because I was up for that uh, four overtime game. I watched the game and uh, then until about 2.30 Eastern Standard Time. Look, we missed out on some stuff uh, just because time zone wise. That game, wow. Uh, We're going to get to that. But first, um, let's say congratulations to Ryan Shazier. He was dancing at his wedding. I know that's football. I know, you know, we we basketball over here. But you got to pay respect. Um, This man had a horrible, horrible injury and has fought his way back. So just shouts out to Ryan Shazier. Congratulations. And uh, glad to see that you're, you're up and you're doing well and you're progressing. So, Let's get to the Bucks and the Celtics. Um, they played Friday, locked up 1-1. You know, Paul Pierce, look, we're going to retire him from the You Tried It segment just because we all know he's a homer. Um, we know he, he spits everything except facts. So we're going to leave Paul Pierce to his own demise by himself. Uh, when it comes to this commentary game, he's called, he's self-check. Um, so the Bucks and the Celtics. Bucks won 123-116. Good game. Giannis, um, if you could picture someone like the efficiency that you would want to have, it has to be Giannis. Giannis and also Kawhi Leonard. But Giannis took 13 shots. 13 shots. And, of course, what helps him is that when a team is hitting, um... It, it makes everything a lot easier for him. So when you got, you know, uh, Merichick going three for seven, Brooke Lopez, one for four, Chris Middleton, three for six, excuse me, Eric Blesso, one for six. We know he's not a great three-point shooter, but, you know, he made one. George Hill, two for three off the bench. Pat Connaughton, four for nine. Ilya Sova, one for one, right? So when you have those people hitting, it opens up the lanes for Giannis because you can't really double team because you're giving up three for two. However, what does hurt you is you can't stay in front of Giannis. Giannis had made the adjustment from game one to game two and game three, and guess what? You can't do not you can't do anything with them. Giannis flirting with a triple double. He was eight for thirteen. All right, sixteen of twenty two from the free throw line. He took 22 shots from the free throw line by himself, and he made 16. Giannis had 32 points, 13 rebounds, 8 assists, 2 steals, and 3 blocks. I'm sorry, but you you can't hate on this man. You really can't. And how much did they win by? 7 points. Giannis was plus 7. So, yes, they needed everything that he brought to the table, especially without Malcolm Brogdon, which is hurting him, um, especially on defensive end. And not to mention he's a 50-40-90 guy, 50% from the field, 40% from the three, 90% from the free throw line. So it's going to hurt you. Plus, like I said, he's a very good defender. Um, we we know straight out, straight out of Virginia. Um, but, look, man, to Celtics, 
they got to come up with a new game plan. We know Brad Stevens is a is a great X's O's guy, but he they got to come up with something. Um, and it's not that the Celtics played bad, cause they really didn't. They didn't get the bench production like they could have had. They probably should have had. I mean, anytime you only get sixteen points off the bench, your your starters are responsible for what a hundred points. Like that's that's gonna be tough. Um, now it's great that your starters perform, you know, Marcus Morris, 16 points, eight rebounds, six for eight. That's great. Four for five from three. That's excellent. Now he was in foul trouble. Um, cause he, he guarded Giannis some Jason Tatum, 20 points, 11 rebounds, three assists, seven, 14 shooting. Now he was 0 for five from three, six for six from free throw line. Um, but you know, he had a, he shot pretty good percentage wise. Al Horford, 17, 8 and 5, 4 for 8, 6 for 6 free throw line, 3 for 5 for 3. Jalen Brown, 18 points, 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 6 for 12, 3 for 4, 3 for 7 for 3. There's a theme here. Alright. Now, the the ones uh, if you want to call it a black eye, which I don't, because I don't want to slander this man. Kyrie Irving. Um he was 8 for 22. All right, 29 points. We know he's more of the catalyst when it comes to the offense. Therefore, he, he may force some shots. Um, And him forcing shots, getting to the lane, also opens up shots for other people. Uh, we know that we understand that. Kyrie Irving was two for eight from three. That's not very Kyrie-like. Um, So I expect him to be better uh, when it comes to shooting the three ball. He was 11 for 12 uh, from the free throw line. The thing that gets me is he was complaining about Giannis shooting a bunch of free throws. He took 20, 22 free throws. But, yes, he did. He also drove a lot more, too. Like, Kyrie, you were 11 for 12. You took 12 by yourself. As a team, you took 32. As a team, the Celtics took 32 free throws. Excuse me. As a team, the uh, the Bucks took, where were we at? 38? So, 32 to 38. What are you complaining about? That's not an egregious difference. Like, I can see if, you know, the Bucks had, you know, 20 extra free throws than than the the Celtics, and, you know, then complain about it. However, that's not the case. And we know Giannis doesn't settle for a bunch of jumpers. We know that. Giannis took one three-point shot, and I guarantee you every other shot he took was inside the lane. I I can promise you that. Celtics are, are down 2-1. to one. I know it, it, it feels, feels a little bad. I mean, you lost at home. Nobody wants to lose at home. I can understand your frustration. But you got to go forward, and Kyrie, you got to be a little bit more efficient. You need more bench production. Uh, now... Uh, it is said that Marcus Smart uh, has started, you know, some workouts. Um, he has to get to the five on five level, but Marcus Smart is a great defender for them. Uh, not sure if he's going to really do anything offensive, honestly. Um, but you know, it, it is one of the things to where the morale of the team could pick up based on his uh his availability. So. The next game, Denver Nuggets versus the Portland Trailblazers. And people, 
Let me tell you, this game was great. This was a great game. Like, th this goes on the uh, old ESPN Classic as a replay right away. I mean, wow. So, the Portland Trailblazers won 137. I'm sorry, 140 to 137. All right. Look. It it man, this game here, I I was on the edge of my seat, or should I say, the edge of the bed, watching this game. Um, look, man, you had people playing sixty five minutes. All right, out of the whole game, sixty minutes, fifty eight minutes, fifty six minutes. Like, I don't think people fully grasp the concept of four overtimes. So we know that it's 48 minutes in a regular NBA basketball game. Well, it's five minutes for overtime. It was four overtimes at 68 minutes. Out of 68 minutes available for the whole entire game. The Joker plays 65. A seven-footer playing 65 minutes out of the whole game. And he didn't foul out. Like, he had a monster, another monster game, another monster triple-double. Joker is, look, he's phenomenal, all right? Now, they had a, a decision to make a little while back. We had Joker and uh, Nurkic. And ironically, he got traded to Portland, which we know we all know he got hurt. So you know, fast recovery, and hope he gets back to one hundred percent soon and ready for next uh, season to start. But we gotta say they they made the right decision. They were both phenomenal um, big men, but you just knew you couldn't have both of them. You couldn't play both of them because one was just not going to develop as he should have uh, based off of playing time, and both deserved to start. And let me you know, Joker thirty three points. 18 rebounds, 14 assists. I mean, he was four for seven from the three, three for five free throw line, two blocks. Like, and man, you know, respect goes to each and every player that, that was in this game. I I do believe they went away from Paul Millsap when they probably should have kept going to him. Uh just because he he was getting whatever he wanted on that block. Um Gary Harris did foul out. Um if he called, but that was big because he's a very, very good defender. He's he's very good offensively. Um he ended up with thirteen points. The unsung hero for Denver, Will Barton. Um Will Barton had twenty two in the second half and he kept them in the game. He almost won him the game a couple times. But Will Barton was clutch. He was clutch. And on a night where, you know, you go into four overtimes, it, man, like Will Barton was a player offensively and defensively. So expect to see him um, today uh, when they play. Um, man, you know, you had players who did not play who were active, I mean, grasp this concept. 
Jared Vanderbilt. What in Kentucky? DNP. Isaiah Thomas. I think he's still hurt. Not sure. DNP. Trey Laws. Went to Kentucky. DNP. Like, Trey Laws and Jared Vanderbilt, if I'm not mistaken, they were all Americans. Barely playing. Will Barton. And you know what, Will Barton? I'll I, I send you out an apology. You may never hear this. However, I'll send you out an apology because I wasn't very high on you coming out of Memphis. And you worked your way throughout the NBA. Of course, you started out with Portland, ironically. But you worked your way, and you, you're you a very, very quality NBA player. Very quality. Um, just want to give you that shout-out. Jamal Murray, 34 points, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. Now, Paul George, if you want to say bad shot, there's a difference between the shot that Jamal Murray took that was a sidestep 3 that went 10 feet off the backboard, nowhere close to the rim, and the shot that Dame Lillard hit over you. There's a clear difference. So that's a bad shot. Now, you could be home watching and say that's a bad shot, but there's a difference. So, like I said, man, Denver played hard, man. Uh, it sucked that it had to be a loser because, man, this game was great. Dane Lillard actually had another bad shooting game. He's had the last two, two, two or three shooting games weren't all that great uh, for his standards. Um, other players might not be so bad, but for his standards. So this just goes to, to say, it doesn't matter where you start, whether you start or not, what matters is that you're ready to play. All right. There's certain roles that people have on teams and the only way you can actually maximize that is by accepting your role and being the best you in that role, all right? Man, the, look, this game, we all know Dame is ahead for for Portland. But Dame actually has no problems taking a step back. CJ McCollum had it going. CJ had it going. I want to say he scored about 30 points between fourth quarter and, and the uh, overtimes. I know he scored 20 points in the overtimes. C.J. McCollum, when I say had it going, look, it, it's special to see. And Dame said it. Like, you could tell, you know. And I take a step back and just watch him. <sighs> There's no ego. There's no, you know, oh, I got to be the man. They weren't about winning as a team. They're not worrying about, you know, whether or not, you know, I get this shot and I get this praise or not. It's about the team. And that's what matters to them. And you can tell. Um, big shout out to Cantor. Ennis Cantor separated his shoulder again. And played 56 minutes. 18 points. 15 rebounds. Was 8 for 16. He actually hit a 3. Which we know he's not want to, you know, shoot and hit 3s and stuff like that. But when when it comes to heart, you know, and, and I was one. We we're all on him when it came to that fake tough guy stuff. Uh, when he was talking trash to LeBron and you know going back and forth when he was over in New York. Look, man, Enos Cantor got heart. You can't take that away from him. Enos Cantor has heart. 
look, he separated his shoulder again, was playing through it, you know, was almost in tears. He's a big piece for what they do right now. And if he can't play, it's gonna be it's gonna be bad. Um it will not be good if Ennis Cantor cannot play um going forward. Because for whatever reason they're not playing Myers Leonard um like I thought they could. A seven footer who can stretch the floor, nice solid body, but he's not playing, so there has to be some some more uh intel into that. Uh more Harkless. Played some great defense, gave you 15 points, 10 rebounds. Look, man, Alfred Camino, he didn't he didn't have the offensive game that he's had before, but from a defensive standpoint, I think that often gets overlooked. And coming off the bench, Rodney Hood, and you, you got to give Rodney Hood, you know, some love. Reason why I said it is because he he got traded part of the trade, you know, from Utah to Cleveland. There was points in with, with Cleveland to where he didn't play in playoff games. They were saying his attitude and it was a lot of stuff that was going on. So you gotta show, you know, Rodney Hood some love because he gets traded. He's on Portland. You know, now these games matter. Rodney Hood won the game last night. C.J. McCollum, no, I'm sorry, not last night, Friday night, uh, Sunday or Saturday morning. C.J. McCollum drove, took a shot. They were down one point. Drove, took a shot, followed his shot, got the kind of long offensive rebound. While still in the air, he had the presence of mind to pass it out to Rodney Hood on the wing. Now, Rodney Hood had already came down and hit two shots. Excuse me. They ran a play for Rodney. He had, uh, who did he have on him? Murray. Jamal Murray. He goes down, makes a nice little move, makes a bucket in the middle of the paint. Comes back down. Dame said, run the same exact play. Once again, this is how you play for your team. Dame could always take the shot. He always had the green light. Ronnie Hood, fresh legs, fourth overtime, came in because Mo Harkless was cramping. They ran the same exact play. Jabs, goes baseline, step back, hits that mid-range on the baseline, number net. So when CJ got the rebound, one, Ronnie Hood came in. He was ready to play. He was ready to play, people. All the kids out there, you you must stay ready, all right? No matter where you start, you come in the game at the end, you come in the first quarter, second quarter, whatever. You have to be ready to play and do your part to be a part of the team's win, all right? The team cannot succeed if you if you can't get your mind around I'm going to be a part of the whole rather than I need to be the whole. Okay? Rodney Hood got the ball from CJ. Pump faked. Once again, just talked about this with Joe Embiid. Pump fakes, pump fakes, pump fakes. Pump fakes have to come over the shoulder. Have to be higher than your shoulder. Pump fake. Defender jumps up. 
Dribble sidestep. Drains the three. The net barely moved. Portland goes up two. That's the game. Like, it was such a phenomenal game. It sucked that it had to be a loser. And normally we don't spend as much time on the first segment. But it was so amazing to watch this game and to be able to be up and take in all of what was happening. Like, I I just can't express that enough how how amazing it was to be up and watch this game, a historic game. And look, it was amazing. It was amazing. So yesterday, all right, we had the Warriors versus the Rockets. And I called this on the last podcast that the Warriors will lose because they get too relaxed. They lose focus. They they lose intensity. So I guarantee they're going to lose the game. Now, look, they went overtime. Um, JR, uh, not JR, I'm sorry. Um, James Harden had 41. We know who KD is. We know what KD is. Um, Look, KD is a bad man. And I'm going to say some stuff a little bit later that it may ruffle some fellas. But if you're honest, if you're honest, then I think you probably agree with me. Um, Steph Curry struggling. He's struggling. Make make no mistake about it. He's struggling. Um, there was a call that should have been made. It was an absolute charge. Draymond Green was there, set. James Harden went up for a floater, came down, ran in James, uh, ran in Draymond Green. No call. They go up four or five. Somehow, Steph gets out and he goes up for a dunk and gets met at the rim by the rim. Um, He tried it. Uh, <laughs> we know Steph don't dunk like that, but uh, he, he absolutely did try it and it didn't go his way. So, they lose. Um... And it it wasn't anything that we didn't see coming already. Um, if you if you listen to the podcast at all, um, we we knew that the Rockets were going to win a game. Now I think the Warriors will win the next game, lose one, and then close out in six. But I, man, I I just I have no faith in their intensity, and that's why they are more susceptible to losing this year more than ever. Um, But I think it has to be the right team. It has to be a team that will not uh, allow you to come back, will not rest, uh, depending on how much they're up. Um, To me, the only team that fits that uh, scenario uh, would be the Bucks. Don't think the Bucks have enough for the Warriors. Um, but they had the right mentality. Uh, the Seventy Sixers, if you actually pay close enough attention, um, they're starting to become 
a really, really tough-minded team. Um, now, take into account that their top five players only played about 10 games with each other. So they're actually learning as they go along in the playoffs. Um, it's Look, don't, don't sleep on the Sixers. Um, you have some bona fide dogs on that team. And, man, you know what? When your rotation shortens up, whoever has the top five, top six, top seven players can normally win. And we know the Sixers' top five rival only, I will say, the Warriors. Nobody else has a deeper top five. And you can argue that just based off of star power. Um but if you went head to head, I think it's, you know, it could be weighed heavier towards the uh Sixers. Uh especially when you go one through five. Um also I've seen that Boogie may be available for the playoffs. I'm not sure how true that is. That's coming from Steve Kerr though. Um however, I'm not sure if I risk it if I'm Boogie, only because Yes, you want to win. Um, yes, you want to be a part of something. Yes, he's had a great season. Um, and unlike a lot of people, I am a Boogie fan. However, you got to look at the rest of your career. Um, he could really play about eight, nine more years in this league at least. Um, so he his health is definitely uh, the top concern. Um, you have the Raptors, um, and the Sixers playing today. That's actually about to get started. Uh, Pascal Siakam will be playing, said he had a calf contusion. Um, he, he is key. Um, I just see the 76ers taking it. Uh, they're playing a lot better basketball. They're playing with each other, for each other. And... I have no faith in Kyle Lowry. <laughs> I have none. So I I do believe that Kyle Lowry, once again, he is a starter in this league, but he's not anything outside of ordinary. Um, the least bit of pressure, he folds, and he's been folding like a napkin in these playoffs. I don't see him scoring over 10 points this game, only because out of seven games, he scored less than 10, four times. So the odds are in my favor. But we'll see, and we will have another recap later on. Uh, Next, uh, we have some college stuff to talk about. And, uh, of course, you tried it coming on later on. So stick with us, and we'll be right back. Born a ball. And we are back now. So, last episode, uh, we talked about some college basketball. Talked about a little recruiting. Spoke about Sean Miller a little bit. Um, just a brief overview. We're not going into it because we already did. And uh, we understand exactly what the NCAA is about. Therefore, we won't get done too much of our energy. Um, so, now, uh, the NCAA is launching an investigation on Arizona and Sean Miller. 
uh, we already knew this. We already spoke about this. Um, the only reason why they're saying something now is just because it came up again by the FBI wiretaps. So we're not going to go into that. Um, we know how corrupt they are and pay the players, bottom line. So we also spoke about Boogie Ellis. And I said before that Boogie Ellis wants to start. That's his main reason for decommitting from Duke. Um, because with Trey Stan, he he's not going to start over Trey. Just, he's not. Um, and like I said, and I still stand by it, although, you know, it could be a USC-San Diego State involved because he is from San Diego. But um, I still say that he's going to go to Memphis and run that show. Uh, you have James Wiseman there, a couple of other uh, top seniors um, that, that's also coming in. Uh, they won't be one and done, but for sure, James Wiseman will. So what better way um to start and say hey i can run this program i can run a team um then to play with what is anticipated to be one of the most dominant big men in college next year um from an athletic standpoint and from a defensive standpoint so i still expect him to sign with memphis uh Memphis was a place that was interested in him and he was interested in prior to signing with Duke. So uh we will still keep that um there and look out for when he actually does commit. Um so I've been involved with some uh some different colleges. Um and one thing that I believe does not get enough credit or enough attention is the uh, kids that transfer. So there's a whole portal that goes into everything. Uh, when your name comes out and you say, hey, I want to transfer, colleges have two days to put your name into the transfer portal, and then any other coach uh, can get in contact with you. I've been in contact with players myself, from players looking to transfer from one school to another, um, and also with some schools who are looking for certain players. So I've been actually learning a great deal uh, about the whole transfer and sitting out, playing immediately, getting this waiver and, uh, you know, being exempt uh, from sitting and things like that. And it's, it's very, very interesting. And it's also one of the reasons why UNC stays a top 10 team um, because they get people who either are graduate seniors or who are looking to transfer. And, hey, you wasn't good enough to come here at first. However, we can use your skill set. And UNC, year after year, gets players who, hey, they're not going to have any recruits this past year, but then they get somebody like a Cam Johnson from Pitt. Didn't really hear from him at Pitt, but yet now he goes to UNC. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the, in the country about six eight long he might be able to be able to be a three and d player in the nba um from just that exposure at a unc but with the same skill set um they do it year after year and you know you you really have to uh there's luck involved of course but you have to have that great reputation um in order to get these top tier kids because you can have 10 schools you know going for the same kid but 
nothing's guaranteed. And year after year, Duke actually does a great job um, getting these kids into their system and preventing them from falling off completely. So shouts out to UNC uh, for that. Um, So next we have uh, our favorite segment, You Tried It. There's a couple people um, that I would like to bring to the front table. Uh, So it's going to be two people. It's going to be guards. They're in the playoffs right now. Not Kyle Lowry. Uh, I think we've done enough uh, with Mr. Lowry. Uh, we'll see after this game today whether or not he rejoins us again and come to the front of, uh, front of the classroom. But uh, we got to pay some bills real quick, so we'll be right back and uh, stick with us. Born the ball. Welcome back to Born the Ball. It's your man Talon, and this is our final segment. You tried it. Now, every day, every episode, we get to somebody who. You know what? You're just doing a little bit too much. Um, we spoke about D-Lo. Um, D-Lo, trying to get high. Uh, so, spoke about him. Spoke about Kyle Lowry. Um, just being a regular player and not doing anything to help Kawhi out. And why Kawhi is going to hightail it out of here. Um, we spoke about a lot of people um, who, you know what? You, you're just doing too much. Just chill, bro. So right now, I got to bring Kyrie Irving to the front of the table, all right? Kyrie Irving is complaining about foul calls. Kyrie Irving probably shoots about seven or eight free throws a game at least. This past game, he shot 11 for 12 from the free throw line. What are you complaining about? Because Giannis shot 22? Giannis doesn't shoot a shot outside of two feet from the basket. What are you complaining about? You can't guard him. There's There's literally a pitcher. Of Giannis going around Kyrie Irving and Kyrie has both hands on him trying to stop him. That's a foul right there. So you're responsible for at least two of his free throws. Kyrie, stop complaining about something that you get all the time. You get foul calls too. You shot 12 and you're a shooter. You drive too. We all know you, you Uncle Drew, you get to the bucket, you're a bad man. No doubt about it. However, you got to stop complaining about some of the stuff that you get the same treatment of. All right. Fact of the matter is, Giannis is just big enough and strong enough to finish some of the times when he goes to the basket and all he does is attack. That's all Giannis does. Stop complaining, bro. You're doing too much. Keep playing your game. Shoot a better field goal percentage. But keep being Kyrie Irving, Uncle Drew, one of the baddest men on the planet. Please, bro. You tried it. Chill. Next and finally, we got to get Steph Curry some, uh, it's not even love, man. We just got to get Steph Curry up to the front of the room. Now, Steph Curry, you 6'3". Now, we all know that you, you may not be that elite athlete. But, yo, why are you trying to dunk in a close game when you know that's not automatic? Your three balls more automatic than your dunk is. Let's be real. If we in 2K, your three ball by like a 95, your dunk is probably like a 25. Let's be real with that. Come on, Steph, you wide open, got a chance to bring your team back in two, two or three points, and you missed a dunk by getting hung? There had to be a point when you was in the air and you was like, oh, I'm not going to finish this. Finger roll, maybe? No? Come on, Steph. 
Now, I know the Warriors get lazy sometimes. You lose focus. You just like, ah, man, we're going to win anyway. And you even win the overtime playing like that. Now, KD is kind of like Kawhi. Because he needs you to help him out. Now, I'm not calling you Kyle Lowry because I would never, ever disrespect you like that. Kyle Lowry around these parts, look, man, he's an average player. You're, you're far, far beyond average, okay? But I do have an issue with you not showing up these last few games, all right? KD is doing exactly what he said. He said, y'all know my name. Y'all know who I am. He ain't had to say nothing else. He said, I ain't going to tell y'all no more. Come on, Steph. C- c- come on, Steph. I I need you to. I need you to show up. All right. I I need you to come and be the Steph Curry that we all you know know you can be, and you know one of the baddest men on the planet. When it comes to that ball handling and that pull up off the off the dribble game. All right. Come on, man. You you tried it. I, I need you to do better. So. Normally, this is where we would end the show. However, I got something that I know some of y'all are going to hate. Some of y'all might love. And some of y'all might think about it for a little bit. My top five ranking for right now. And this is right now. LeBron James clearly isn't the best player in the league anymore. Clearly. To me, there's three elite players in this game right now. Three elite head and shoulders above everybody else that I don't think you can necessarily argue with. They're all playing in the playoffs right now. To me, your top four are playing in the playoffs right now. Then there's a fifth. Not in the playoffs. Number one for me, I will go with KD. Number two, two A, I will go with Kawhi and Giannis. Clearly, clearly elite, elite players. People are upset about Kawhi. Skip Bayless, the slander. Calling him number two, just disrespectful. Kawhi Leonard's a bad man. He's averaging 40. He's averaging 40 against the Sixers. Averaging 31 for the playoffs. Giannis, look, man. He's look, he's a, a riddle. That nobody has an answer to. I mean, Giannis is is wow. The things he can do on the basketball court at six nine, six ten with a seven four wingspan. And then to be humble and about basketball. K D. Enough said. <laughs> enough said. Four, I will go with James Harden. Um, 
you really can't blame him for his team's lack of, you know, making shots ability. Like, if his team shows up, they win. Of course, nobody can do it by themselves, and they're playing the Warriors. So, you know, save me with the, oh, they're barely doing this. They're playing the Warriors, all right? You got three and a half All-Stars on one team. You got two bona fide legends. Like, Clay Thompson, to me, would be a legend. But Steph Curry and KD will always be remembered as the best. Four, I would go, like I said, five, four, I would go with James Harden. Five? Five is really up for debate. Five is up for debate. Do you have LeBron at five? Do you have Steph Curry at five? Is LeBron better than Steph Curry? How about Anthony Davis? These are also people who can carry their team. Yeah, we know Steph Curry doesn't have to do it right now because KD is that great of a player. However, we know Steph Curry has carried that team. He's carried it this year in certain stints. And we don't expect Steph Curry to continue having a bad shooting day or shooting series, shooting playoffs. At best, at best, LeBron James, in my opinion, is the fifth best player in the NBA today. This has been another episode of Born a Ball. If you have any comments, concerns, any way you would like to see me improve this channel, this podcast, just let me know. Send me a message. Hit me up. Born a Ball 302 on Instagram and on uh, Twitter. We're here. It's all love. It's all family. Hey, be safe. We out.